Hello and welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. Uh, my name's Tony and I'm joined by Tom Frower. Hi everyone. Hello. We were also joined by Dave um, and then his technology defeated us for a bit and we lost Dave. Um, so any references you hear after this point referring to Dave being here, it's because he was there for a bit and then he wasn't. Um, but that's not really important. We won a game of football. That was very exciting. Um, but before we won that game, we lost a game, which was shit. But a nice man called Tom Gale was actually there in the stadium and has recorded a lovely piece for us about that and uh, what it's like to see us lose at Wigan um, in an empty ground. So if you haven't seen us lose, well... So the guys asked me if I could offer some form of insight of what it's like to be reporting uh, as part of the media on games taking place behind closed doors. Well, I just got back in my car after Wigan 3, Stoke nil, and for over two hours I've had to be this national radio broadcaster, completely impartial, offering balance and saying it as I see it. But that, as a Stoke City fan was absolutely horrendous. Apologies, that just needs to be said. I'm sure you guys have spoken lots about it, but it was dreadful, no positives whatsoever. But fair play to Wigan. They showed us for what we are at the moment. Enough said on that. So, yeah, so I, you know, since, what was it, June 21st, 22nd, uh, I've been in the fortunate position that I'm one of the few media that are allowed entry into it. I think if you aren't aware... Football's restrictions placed, I think it's capped around about 250 people are allowed access to a stadium. This is Championship Premier League. So if you bear in mind all both teams, all their respective staff that they bring along with them, officials, you know, so it, it quickly adds up as regards to covering that figure, health and safety. Um, but I think normally there's, there's probably a, a lot more written press, not loads, but um, more written press. And then radio reporting and tv is obviously literally limited to the rights holders so typically obviously you'll have the tv cameras for whatever way it's being broadcast sky bt bbc and radio it's predominantly either talk sport or bbc stations of five live or the local radio for each team so before you get entrance into the ground you always have to fill in a questionnaire uh, that needs to be submitted and it's literally you know, do you have coronavirus? So I'm not trying to make light of that, but they're looking to try and identify if you have any symptoms, if you've been in contact with them. Of course, if you're ticking yes to any of these, there's absolutely no way that they're going to be letting you in. Uh, a big change is obviously normally um, you're allowing access into the ground well in advance because those technical people, we've got plenty of things to set up. Lots of the time, it's just basically getting there, get early. If anything goes wrong, you've got lots of time to figure it out. Obviously, now with social distancing, access inside the ground is limited to an hour and a half before kickoff. Again, just trying to reduce the volume of traffic and trying to um, stagger the entrance for people. Um, once you're in, it's obviously it's very eerie. You know, you're sort of walking into these empty stadiums because that's normally you're not really going through any of the club infrastructure normally you go through the reception in and out the halls the corridors into the press room that's completely been removed you literally probably walk along the pitch side up to the press tribunes um, and then there's there's obviously adequate social distance in there. So normally you go, uh, in normal big games or this time of the end of the season where fixtures mean a lot, it's normally quite a cramped press section. But now there's plenty of gaps in between us. Um, I was actually not this evening 
was actually not even sat in the media. I was actually in the, the fan stand. I was able to run all my cables underneath. Um, and obviously, normally, you get that huge sense of buzz. You're sort of walking with an atmosphere, building towards kickoff. Obviously, there's nothing of like that. The fan, So the players are coming out. They're doing the warm-ups. The PA's booming, but it's just weird. You, I feel like a bit of an old man because you're sort of like, will someone turn that volume down? Because obviously this PA is going going for it big time. And obviously there's so little atmosphere that's in, in there. Um, and of course the teams, they, as anyone would have seen from TV pictures, there's none of that side-by-side side in the tunnel. One team comes out. The other team comes out again just to allow that social distancing, which is, you know, you, I guess you you sort of, you go to appreciate these smaller things that you used to, you know, the atmosphere in the tunnel bubbling, you know, the sort of testosterone of masculine dominance looking at the opposition. Maybe Stoke arguably have won many a games in the tunnel. That's not happening now. Like I said, both teams just just come out um, and onto onto the pitch. And then, you know, it, it's the football that you, you've all been seeing, uh, certainly early on. The first few games I was, you know, it did feel like it was a pre-season sort of vibe to it. And, you know, both sides taking a while to get into it. But Stoke Wigan, or Wigan Stoke, sorry, this evening, that was, it was, it felt like a real proper game. There was stuff on the line for both teams and, and that's how it how it played out. A lot of people now say, oh, it's brilliant. You can you can hear what the players are saying or you can hear the management and see what they're saying. Obviously, for me as a radio reporter, I've, I've constantly got um, the radio outstation that I'm working for in my ear. So I don't collapse, get any specific shouts, but you are he, you do realise how vocal a lot of the players are. Again, when they're playing in front of you know thousands, that quickly gets... Um, drowned out one thing I have been you know is keen to notice obviously is the coaching staff and the body language of the substitutes and all those because that's now a lot more visible because the dugout the, the you know that again that's largely kept to a minimal amount of staff Michael O'Neill this evening in particular he chose to sat in the stands um, to begin with but he quickly realized that was a terrible decision because the absolute shower that he was seeing in front of him. So he's able to walk down, but I was able to see, you know, he's constantly looking around and gesturing. You sort of, obviously, I was heavily focused on the Stoke bench, but Stoke players, you know, it's that awkward bit of sort of, certainly when it's 3-0 down, they're all, no one wants to be seen there laughing or giggling, but everyone's trying to look cool and stuff like that. Whereas normally they're in the confines of a dugout, aren't they? And that's, um, you know, that that's the sort of behaviour that you don't see. And I think maybe the players are, Letting the guard down slightly, like Ryan Shawcross just looked distraught when he came off and just slumped down and just thought, you know, what the hell was that 70-odd odd minutes of it? And another thing, obviously, the sound and the effects, like Tommy Tommy Smith, um, you know, obviously came on as a late substitute. He absolutely hammered the ball into the advertising order. Obviously, the, the sound it made, it just it, it perfectly demonstrated his clear frustration of it. But normally, you know, again... That would have been greeted by jeers or cheers from the home fan or home fans to clearly show that he's rattled. So it is a very eerie thing. And obviously, even at the full time whistle, this is perhaps hardly credit to Wigan and Paul Cook. And again, the players are all shaking hands and or you know touching wrists. And it does feel as like I'm, I just sort of ask yourself, has a proper football game just gone on there, sort of thing? So. I'm, I can't. I can't let the emotions get above me. I'm in an extremely fortunate position. I'm one of the few people who, unlike probably many listeners to the podcast, get to go inside, get to see the managers up close and personal. Uh, well, from a distance. Sorry. So that's that's another thing. Sorry, I haven't mentioned is 
I think each team will have their preference, but for Stoke, Michael O'Neill still does his Radio Stoke commitments. So it was Matt Sandos here this evening. He's got his microphone on a two-meter-long pole, so he literally, you know, can ensures that he he stays his distance. Whereas the Wigan um, manager, he does in-house TV, which I'm sure is the same for Stoke. They do obviously do their in-house TV ones pitch side but then he'll access a zoom preference conference call where all the members of the press who are literally you can see him in the laptops dialing into this zoom press conference and that's how they're able to ask their questions of the manager obviously not in close proximity but via zoom so i hope that was a useful i've now got what is it the hour journey back to Stoke just thinking how the hell are we going to save ourselves because it was bad guys it was really really bad and we are bang in trouble well exciting news Tom we became good again and won a game of football Um, okay so now Dave asked me something Tony how did you think the game went there we go I'm so glad you asked yes Absolutely everything is going to be fine forever. Um, yeah, it was good, wasn't it? I mean, Barnsley are not very good. We've seen that twice now. That's fine. Um, but we had intensity. I think that's a word. We pressed angrily and effectively, and we did things with the ball when we got it. And when we lost it, we pressed again. And we just did good football things not least the training ground corner routine which was an artwork it was lovely i i like football again football is good um yeah everything's fantastic well apart from dave's gone <laughs> we'll pick it up in a minute <laughs> uh, uh, what did you think tom uh yeah it was it was bloody good, and I'm uh, I'm I'm hastily flicking through my phone with who scored open, so I can do the old the old razzmatazz on setting a table for whenever I want. Because I'd actually quite like to contest the point that um, Barnsley aren't very good. Because if you look <laughs> at um, since Stuber took over, they they so that was like late November. They are thirteenth in the table. Um, from that date so like they're not terrible so I, I think it might actually be doing a bit of a disservice to how well we played today to suggest that we've just beaten an absolutely pony team um, I don't think they're good I think there's a lot of teams like that in the league and it's a little bit embarrassing that we haven't done this a bit more often um, but yeah I I adore Tyrese Campbell um, he is my hero he is the best footballer since all of them, um, apart from Nick Powell. Because, <laughs> yeah, Nick Nick Powell of the injustices. How he got oh. booked for diving today was a bit was a bit interesting. I reckon there may be a conspiratorial agenda against him. Just him, or all of us? Uh, I think all of us. Just Nick Powell, I think. And maybe okay. James McLean. I think big headband are on to James McLean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, it's funny because the move that led up to that yellow card, he danced in between round and through probably seven Barnsley players before getting knocked over by somebody's arse on, right on the edge of the area. And I think the, the, the yellow card incident took the focus away from 
some very Nick Powell bits of play. Fleet of foot and effective and just exciting. And there was a lot of that today, I think, especially contrasting with the Wigan performance where it seemed to be midfielder or attacker receives ball. Ah, there is a Wigan player in front of me. I must now pass it backwards where it came from. Um, There was a lot more of like nice interplay, bouncing around, especially when it sort of came down the left a bit more because I don't think Campbell's quite got that interplay down yet, which you wouldn't really expect from a young striker. But when Klukas and Powell and McLean were all sort of dancing around each other, passing the ball... Yeah, it was just it is a totally different worlds away performance from the first three we've had this season. Um and I think to support the people who maybe suggested before the the whole season stopping that there was no chance of us getting relegated and actually we were pushing on and looking like a team who were building for next season. The fact that we've gone back to that performance in a matter of what, three days, four days, probably more suggests that that's where the team was heading underneath rather than um, there was cracks being papered over in February and March and we were somehow getting results together and actually what we saw after the break was our true selves I don't think that's right I think it's probably somewhere more in between than the we're going up we're going down we're just gonna plateau and it's gonna be okay we'll take that I think I can't tell if Dave's back or not because he keeps appearing and disappearing. And disappearing and being hopeful. Are you there, Dave, or shall we just carry on? I think we'll carry on. Of course, Dave's Dave's got the running order, so I don't know what we're talking about. I've already forgotten what we're talking about now. Oh, yeah, it was Nick Powell being the best footballer ever to live, apart from Tyrese Campbell um, and the gentleman behind me, but we'll leave that. But the... um, But, yeah, sorry, you were talking about the first three games since the break and us being ponderous and quite shit because it there's a the intensity is it, everybody else seems to have more of it than we did the last three games and then today we we sort of blew Barnsley away I mean for the first 10 minutes obviously we got the two goals but all the way through every time they got towards the edge of the area we seem to have two or three players storming towards the ball and almost every time they got they got the ball or they caused Barnsley to lose it one way or another within a pass or two um, and then we we were effective breaking as well which was very exciting and also we were our, our, our patrolling of the second ball was like nothing I've seen from us for months and months because every time we didn't have the ball there was a touch and the next touch was us it, it felt like that happened every time which was ace to watch and I, I take your point about Barnsley just the two times I've seen them this season they have looked rubbish and I think I don't, I don't want to excuse the performances we had in the first three games because at the end of the day they're professional footballers and they should be able to do better than what they did but I don't think the luck goes with us in any of them um, we concede early in all three and it's more so the reaction being a failure than than the initially how we started out Yeah, we, did, we didn't in any game come out of the blocks like we came out of the blocks today we were hunting teams down and we were just so much further up the pitch. Um, and I think, I don't know, when you have things like we're off, we have no football for three months and then uh, Middlesbrough lose one game after that break and immediately hire Neil Warnock to play Stoke. 
I feel nothing <laughs> sums up the, the first three games and the luck we've had better than that, than Middlesbrough having three months to sack someone and going, actually, let's just make sure his first game's at Stoke. Because there's no way Neil Warnock's not winning his first game in a championship relegation fight. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, it was very Stoke for that to happen. Um, so what else did we have today? Oh, Ince. What did you think of Ince's little cameo? <laughs> he was awful, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I, well, I, I don't know. So. I, I sit in a really weird place with Ince because I don't think he could be a better example of the, the strange and contradictions contained within class capitalism. No, I mean um, Stoke City. Um, he, he's, he just, he's so bad. And then you were like, God, you're so bad. And you're angry, but then you realise he's a human being and you go, no, maybe I should take a step back. This is a bit horrible. Yeah, you, and then you're not his dad. Worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, today, I, of course he was going to score after coming on. And if he, I will lose my mind if he starts against Leeds. It will be the most ridiculous injustice on earth because he finished quite nicely in the box, which is something that he, before the, the whole Rona stuff, was struggling to do. I can specifically mm. remember the the whole game where he had quite a few chances and didn't stick any away. And he'd been doing that all season. And I'm not going to, with the performances we've been having and the lack of wingers we have, I'm not going to lose my mind about that so much. His performances after the break, where he's having one touch in, well, one successful pass in 55 minutes. No, that's not Okay. You have to do a lot more than score the fourth goal of a 4 0 win to get back into the team because of a performance like that. Yeah, we did see a very brief cameo from Juve, Mama. Oh, how lovely. Out on the right so- and switching in over to the left, which was even more fish out of water than Tom Ince on a football field normally looks <laughs> to me. But in his defence, there was a bit of. Well, silliness from Derby fans on Twitter. Um, I noticed over the last couple of days of them saying they might welcome him back, which obviously it's fun to laugh at Derby and their fans, but there is a player there somewhere that we've just never, never seen. But then he's also like in this league, certainly his his record isn't bad. There's there's quite the, the mythical confidence player. Um, where if he gets a goal like that and then tears some poor young left back um, to shreds, who, who plays left back for Leeds, Tom? <laughs> oh God, yeah. So it's not going to happen. I'm not suggesting he's 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 going to wake up and be a fine footballer now, and we'll all look back on this as a weird moment when he was really bad for ages. Um, but no, I'd I'd happily have. I don't. I I think you could name it's... any player on our books. I would rather have playing there, although it was a nice deflected finish. It's weird as well, because managers seem to really like him. I think we both watching the match were like, oh, look, O'Neill's really giving Ince a nice sort of arm around the shoulder, Mm. um, giving him a nice chat, telling him how to play football, how to control the pass. And I think it happened with Jones as well. Jones was like really keen on him and obviously Rowett, brought him into the club so he was very a very big fan of him so is it just like this bizarre he's some kind of world beater in training and then he gets onto a pitch and it's not even the fans if he sees a stadium he just starts <laughs> shitting himself it's 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 either that or or they they've seen his record and they're like there's a player in here we need to try and find a way to get it out and they've all tried the same way and it hasn't 
well, but nice yeah. things. Uh, surprising performances today. Jordan Cousins, mm-hmm. wow, he can pass a football. Thank God. Mm. Um, and he, I think he did. I think Thompson was great behind um, Klukas and Allen, who had the had enough bite between them to not need a player behind them. Whereas I think Klukas and whoever he's been played with um, so far has just not had that solidity. So Thompson was getting really exposed, but it was nice to see Cousins step in and play a quite aggressive role. Because I think, especially in the first half, um, if you watch it back, a lot of the times he wasn't sitting. We were literally, as soon as they'd beaten our initial press where we had the front three running, we then had a full, almost flat midfield five. Mm. Um, There was no sitting off and we sort of used that as a big wall to go chasing people down, which was good. Um, I think Smith, again, is just, thank God, he's there and is a right-back who isn't unfit or a centre-back. That's nice. Full-backs, hey, who would have known? <laughs> mm. uh, for the for the audience listening at home, Tony is currently pointing to a giant photo of Josh Tymon behind him, um, being a fullback who seems to have very little future at Stoke City Football Club. Well, that's that's one way of saying it. I wouldn't say it's a nice way of saying it. Um, I've, you were there at that Shrewsbury Cup game when he played the full game at left back. Yeah, and yeah, he was very good. He, I, I know we were both blinded by Charlie Adam having his lit, literal best game for Stoke on that day unexpectedly best 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 half best yeah half. okay well it's he, not <laughs> he was tired he hasn't he hadn't played football for about 4 years at that point i mean he'd been playing for Stoke but you know um yeah uh, i won't dwell on Josh Time and not even making the bench which i thought Bruno Bruno looked a lot more composed today yeah he, to, he, to, to yeah. talk about left backs he, really he, yeah, he looked more comfortable in that position, definitely, than he has done in the, the previous hour. I mean, he, he looked okay there in the past, but certainly not in the last couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, he looked better. He today. was doing he was doing things that I don't think we've seen since, like when he was on loan, where he would quite often in the Premier League against much better footballers than in the Championship, just sort of be really calm and composed and take the perfect touch to just totally take the man who was pressing him out of the game I think he yeah. did it on a, a few occasions which is always one of my favourite things in football I know you mean because it's really humiliating for the person <laughs> pressing them it's like oh no <laughs> oh he's run straight past me it's like Crap. a it's like a really understated Arnie kind of move where where he just takes a touch and whoever's running at him thinking oh I'm in here it's suddenly like <laughs> yeah. oh uh, oh, oh, oh. But yeah, du- Dutch international Bruno Martins Indy is all right with a football. I don't think I've heard the phrase Dutch international used so much over the past like week. Seems like whenever anyone's talked about Stoke defenders, the phrase Dutch international and normally World Cup semi final are also included. <laughs> yeah, P- Peter Hoekstra, look out, because that's <laughs> that's definitely his his. His catchphrase as well, or headline. Um, the, the, are we going down? I don't think we are. I'm going to say yes, because that makes it statistically less likely. The same reason I bet on us to lose every game. Although, obviously, I'm doing all right on that. 
for the last few years. <laughs> um, and my my my, fi- my fiver on us to go down at the start of the season is looking less exciting now. Like there was there's been times yeah. in the last week or two when I've been like, oh, there's money or <laughs> enjoying football. Can't remember what enjoying football's like. So money. Um, but but now I'm sort of more excited about the fact that Tibby Verlinden will be back at some point playing for my football club. And, and Joe Allen. I'm excited for Joe Allen to be back playing football. Yeah. <laughs> what, what has the world come to? What, 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 who are you and what have you done with Tom? <laughs> Covid's changed all of us. <laughs> it's changed him. Have you seen his hair? Yeah, oh. I know. It's, it's, it's much not Doesn't... long and luscious, which clearly shows that he puts a lot of effort into, or, or gets professional people to put a lot of effort into looking after his hair. Which Weird. you know is interesting, I guess. Is it? That's what uh, is is it terrible that I think looking at him with his short hair makes him look like a better footballer to me? Because yeah, it reminds no, me of when... terrible. Yeah, that's just oh look, it's Joe Allen who played for Swansea. Swansea, exactly. Yeah, like, <laughs> Swansea in Wales. Good midfielder Joe Allen's appeared. I, I don't remember him playing football for the last few years, but that's exciting. I wonder who he plays for. <gasps> Oh my god, he's been there for how long? <laughs> and to be fair, he was he was in his richest vein of form I can remember when he got injured. Um and that Joe Allen more of that, that'd be fine. That'd be arguably exactly what what might have galvanised us in the previous games when we just couldn't get a foot on the ball in midfield or do any football things at all. Um Today, I don't think he would have made that much difference, really. Although he did pop up with the odd goal as well in his in his purple patches. I mean, he would have missed at least one from six <laughs> inches away. But ah, uh, what we probably only need one more win is what I I reckon because one more win puts you nine points away from Luton, as things stands, eight points yeah. away from Barnsley, and eleven yeah. points away from Wigan. Now, the likelihood of all those three clubs making up the difference on you is low. And then also, I feel like the likelihood of the teams who are now just beneath us also getting more points than we do after winning one game, on uh, all of them doing it, is really slim. And we'd be really, really unlucky for that yeah. to happen. Scenes, though. I mean, I can, I'm looking <laughs> at the fixtures. I can make an argument for us losing every one. We've got Leeds on Thursday... Okay, we, we, to be fair, our recent record against Leeds is quite good, um, but I, I, I wish we had Nathan Jones for Thursday. Yeah, can we just bring him back for one? Yeah, well, let's <laughs> yeah, let's not get into that. Then we've got no. Birmingham away, who um, haven't won a game. The only team they've scored against is Hull. Their manager's leaving at the end of the season. I don't think it's a desperately happy place. So they're due one. <laughs> then we've got Bristol City, who will have it will be their new manager's first game. Yeah, of course it will. Who also have been really terrible, and I don't think they've got a point. I think they've lost all their games. Um, so yeah, they'll beat Stoke. Happens to the best of us, but yeah. Um, Brentford then are they still doing well? I haven't been paying enough attention. Oh yeah, yeah the third. It, it it all depends on what West Brom decide to do because is that that's penultimate game of the season, isn't it? Yeah. Now, if Brentford are within three points of West Brom at that stage, we're fucked. They will just rip us to Steam rollers. 
Although we are yeah. at home and we we are capable of winning at home, which is something we're not capable of doing away ever for the last like well, fifteen feels, years. How how strange and how strange that this our home games in the championship in this new spell in the championship are bookmarked by Brentford and Brentford. Strange. Yeah. I'd like their goalkeeper to give us another goal. That would be polite. I'd like our goalkeeper not to give them any. Um, and the last game is away at Forest, and we fucking always lose to Forest because one of my best mates is a Forest fan, and it's just that's just how it's set up for my life. Is that they always do something, <laughs> no matter how we play or anything. It's just there's some cruelty befalls us. So, but they they to think logically, they will be in the playoffs, and they will not want to play their best players. Be, so. Yeah. Their second team will beat us like they did in the oh, cup. Oh yeah, exactly. I was there for that. I just had my wisdom tooth removed, and the football was arguably more painful. Even though my wisdom tooth then got infected and nearly killed me that week. Um, but the football was worse. the football was worse. Oh yeah. Um, oh, the city ground. Ugh. Oh, it's all nice location and ugh, sods. Um, so yeah, uh, we probably are going down. Is my answer to that question. Um, but more importantly, where do you stand on the issue of goalkeepers having short-sleeved shirts? Uh, I stand, um, so I, I, I side on the cricket argument, which is that a wicketkeeper in short-sleeved shirts needs hanging from the nearest tree. Um, so that's my opinion. And, and, and no surprise, Jack Butland kept a clean sheet today with... Uh, see, because uh, this is an interesting argument then. I don't think he had long sleeves on today. It was an undershirt. It was an undershirt. Yeah. Now, does does that count? It sort of does, although if it's like a neoprene type, you know, sports undershirt, I would imagine that's quite slippery and therefore not the best thing to be catching. But yeah, whatever. If, you're, if, you, if you end up parrying a shot, there's a deflection and you're having to parry it off your forearm, I, yeah. I reckon there's more traction on a on a football shirt. Well, on an old on a... an old fashioned goalkeeper shirt, certainly some of the new ones are yeah. like slippery, like designed to. I had an old Scotland international shirt that was that sort of weird pink puce colour, sort of weird bronzy, goldy, but with shades of pink weirdness, and that was the slipperiest shirt ever. And every time you tried to catch it, like gather it in, it just slid through because it was that low friction. And every, mm. every like picture you see of um, whoever was Scotland goalkeeper at that time, when you look at it, there's a load of like Vaseline or something or vapor rub on his chest, and I'm convinced that's why. Um, mm. But I, I'm, I swear, like 15, 20 years ago, there was a pub quiz question, which was, what can everyone on the pitch, apart from the goalkeepers, do, in, including the refs, and ev- everyone within the field of play, apart from the goalkeepers, can do, and the goalkeepers can't. And it was wear short sleeves, because the whole thing was you had to have long sleeves on if you are in goal, and they had to be a different colour to the strip, because then when in a melee, when two arms come out, Oh, and grab okay. the ball, you can see it's for goalkeeper's arms. That was the whole reason for it. Obviously, gloves are a thing nowadays more than they were, but that was definitely a rule at some point in football that just seems to have disappeared because of Fabian Barthez. The <laughs> shit. And he wasn't very good um, either. He wasn't. I remember Stoke doing him over in a pre-season game <laughs> at the Bet365 when I was extremely young. Hmm. I think we won 2-0 or 3-0. 
Wow. He was in goal at the end of his at the end of his time and mm. it was quite clear that he was at the end of his time. Yeah. Well, he was one of those goalkeepers that was about five foot eleven and therefore looked about three foot four, yeah. which was always always funny, but usually all right. But I, I swear he he started it, and and the pattern has always therefore been that goalkeepers wearing short sleeves are always not as good, and mm. and Jack has started doing that in recent times, and I swear it coincides with his descent from being a quite good goalkeeper to being Joe Hart. Yeah, there there is that is the petrifying thing. The similarity is down to the turning into like a raving lunatic when a goal goes in rather than being like, oh, that one might have been my fault. Sorry, lads. The like petulant tantrums maybe need to stop. Where do you stand on a, on a goalkeeper being a captain? Because I don't think it's right. I mean, no, goalkeepers should be leaders anyway. They shouldn't need a captain's armband. Gordon but they can't Banks, go and do all the other captain Exactly. Bits. Gordon Banks famously said that if, if you have to make a save, you've gone wrong already because you should have organised your <laughs> defence better because the first job of a goalkeeper is to shout at the defenders and make sure they know where they should be and make sure they're doing what they should be doing. So he should mm. be doing all the captaincy stuff within audible range anyway. Admittedly, without a crowd, he can shout further. But he should be doing that anyway. Certainly when I, when I used to still play football, shouting was... My main thing. Ask ask yeah. anyone who played with me. It's the easy, easy, Shit at everything thing else. To do. Yeah. Oi, one each, <laughs> etc. Um, but yeah, no need for it at all. It just exposes a lack of other people on the pitch that you trust with a captaincy, which is always just wrong about whether the goalkeeper should be captain. But it, it's illogical. So if if Banks said you shouldn't have to make a save because you have to guard a team. And Maldini said you should never have to make a tackle because the positioning should make sure that no one tackles. Does that mean a, a, a team, a, a, obviously the age rage doesn't quite work, but a team with Gordon Banks in and Paolo Maldini would pretty much not use defenders or goalkeepers and would rely on midfields and attackers to do all of it? Well, the defence has to be there to influence the play. But, yeah, ideally, they shouldn't need to touch the ball. Like, whoever this mythical team is, we'll call them Stoke, literally should need no touches of the ball to win a game 10-0. Um, See, when you, get to, when you get to that stage, it seems quite um, ridiculous because, yeah, of course, a defender and a goalkeeper shouldn't touch the ball because if, if, if your goalkeeper and your defender never touch the ball, you've won. And it's very unlikely that you're... Yeah, <laughs> unless so. they're just really bad <laughs> and can't get near anything and you lose like 15 nil or yeah. 30 nil or yeah. but they'd go on if they were stoked they'd go on the next week to win to win 15 yeah, yeah. suddenly look good the following week with almost exactly the same team the other goalkeeping shirt issue i had was the barnsley goalkeeper was wearing what was effectively a um a a an outfield shirt with long sleeves. It was n- not quite the same colour. It was like black versus very very dark Navy blue. Yeah, but it even it had the same pattern across the shoulders. It was the like I've got people kicked off five side pitches and made to wear skins for <laughs> a lot less similar goalkeeper shirts to outfield shirts than that. That was criminal. Definitely a shame as well because we could have had the lovely lovely thing of a team the home team giving the away team a kit, yeah. which is just, again, one of the most wholesome things that we've really lost from football. Yeah, that that and the, the, the away team wearing like the, the, away, the home team's away shirts because they, the kit man packed the wrong kit. 
Um, mm. But yeah, the red goalkeeping shirt at the other end would have been nice. But also the second goal, I didn't appreciate that it was uh, like I was reading something, a sort of glance. I think I was reading a bad tweet by you, and I sort of glanced up and saw him back here into the goal, and I was like, well, the goalkeeper's not even there. Nobody's celebrating. <laughs> it was obviously a free kick that I've missed, and then they started celebrating, and then I realised the goalkeeper was one of those defenders by the front post. I mean, he'd be taken out of the game completely. But again, it's like not only should he have been binned off at the start and made to wear something uncomfortable and far too small and restrict his movement, but um, also it slightly ruined my, well, slightly affected my enjoyment of the second goal. We've got. See, but the the, the thing with the second goal is that it, it's it's a fine wine. It's I've watched oh, it yeah. several times since, and I'm fairly certain it gets better every time because I didn't notice that he'd nutmegged the defender as well. <laughs> Um, until until third time viewing, really, which really does take the source levels to extremely high levels. Much as I enjoyed Campbell's finish, it's a McLean goal for me. That is because it's so. I mean, you'll. I know. I know you'll speak for ten minutes on it if you could. But it was it was him chasing down lost causes to the most McLean degree, and yeah, outstanding. Yeah, it was lovely to watch. And I think that's something that uh, some people, me, have been saying since Rowett signed him in the first place, was that actually maybe we're signing James McLean to help us turn into a pressing team. And I I, I will fully admit that under Rowett, I would have said that that was just a guess by me and totally untrue because we loved sitting in a boring, deep block and God, it was awful. But now we've got McLean and... He isn't really a front three player at all. He's not that type of winger, but oh, when he when he gets running after a lost cause, good God, there's there's not many more lovely sights than a terrified defender hearing Macca's boots slamming behind him. And his hair whistling behind him as well. <laughs> I think th- th- it wouldn't matter where you are on the pitch if you're playing against James McLean. It doesn't matter where he is and where you are. When you get the ball, you had l- have less time on the ball before he appeared if he decided to close you down than Tom Ince had in the middle of the area today when he took that shot. <laughs> I think I just I have just jotted that down and checked your maths, and I think I think that's that's correct. I think we're about to turn into a pumpkin time-wise for our, for our technology might be about to run out on account of losing Dave. Um, anything further to add or any fears about Leeds on Thursday to share? I, I have a lot of fears about Leeds. All of them. Anything you could think, just that's a fear about Leeds. Um, any irrational phobias you have, I've got that about Leeds. They're a very good team, and I am expecting very, very little. If he play, if he starts Tyman and then takes him off at half time because Leeds are good at football, I will go so fucking mental. Oh, this desk will be over there, but he won't. So not an issue. Yeah, there'll be no changes. Same team. Let's enjoy Nick Powerball for the rest of this season and hopefully next season in this league again and yay everything's going to be all right and thank you very much for joining thanks tom thanks for having me absolute pleasure as always uh i'll say then in dave's stead go on stoke so patreon episode <laughs> <laughs> patreon
Hooray! Extra Wizards of Drifal content for only 86 pence per month. And if that's too much, blame the government. Because $1 was about 75p a week ago. But anyway, uh, your $1 a month gets you access to hot content on the Wizards of Drivel like this. I'm joined by Alfie Potts Harmer, author of England's Greatest Defender. So, Dirk Copeland from uh, Blackburn Rover Seas, uh, thank you for joining me. Joining me is Ollie Dawes from Deepdale Digest. Hello and welcome to the Stoke City Years, a podcast series that reviews the history of Stoke City season by season. What else was happening around the world in 1891? I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) Boundless enthusiasm. Hello and welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. I'm joined by Tom Thrower. Evening, everyone. And unquestionable sobriety. I thought Josh Tyman was really good. (laughs) Tony, we've all had a bit to drink. Transfer deadline day with sign James Chester. If Gary Rowett was a US president, what president would he be? Jimmy Carter. But people have signed up to the Patreon where we are actually semi-comprehensible from time to time. Once. So, if you want to keep this thing happening, patreon.com forward slash wizards of drivel, we're all very, very poor people. Four years been on this podcast, I've gradually grown it to a place when it was a completely unlistenable mess using, you know, free copyright free music, microphones didn't work, it was barely audible, and yet people persisted with it, <laughs> to a point. We've interviewed Ricardo Fuller, we've interviewed Liam Lawrence, we've interviewed Leon Court, we've interviewed Gordon Banks, we've interviewed Terry Conroy. We've had, like, experts on from other clubs. We've had, like, football finance experts mm. and people like John McKenzie and, like, uh, the Not The Top 20 pod guys. I'm amazed at the people who actually say, I listen to the Wizards of Drivel podcast. And yet, not two minutes ago, <laughs> Chris Brammer just used the phrase, it's a good oven. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Wizards of Drivel. It's a shame with a ne'er-do-wells of a cynical new age. Nerd is easier if it pleases you, so we'll let it all slip away. Hang on, hang on. Uh, notification on my neighbourhood Facebook group. What is all that racket? 